Welcome first-time listeners and returners to the Sports Deli, where everyone deserves a seat at the table. What about f***ing Colin? Why does he not have a f***ing job? Because he's still being white-balled. Why is Tom not speaking out about that? He should be his biggest f***ing ally. And he hasn't said one f***ing thing. A lot of people that have come on this show, I don't know why, they've gotten some good f***ing jobs afterwards. Jim Rome in the jungle. It's right here in the sports deli, baby. We got some good ass karma right here. Let's fucking go. I love <laughs> oh, man. it. I love it. We hope you enjoy today's show, everyone. All right, let's rock and roll. We're so honored to welcome, as a part of our 50th anniversary of Title IX Celebration Series, the pride of Concord, Massachusetts, former four time USA women's hockey goaltender, Kelly Hayes. She was a figure skater early in life, but after she had a growth spurt, it was time to pivot to ice hockey. She played girls and boys hockey growing up as a goalie. Amazingly, she had five guys on her high school team that went into the NHL. Most notably was Tom Barrasso, two-time Stanley Cup champ. She played her intercollegiate hockey, as we just talked about, at Northeastern University, and she is only one of six women to ever play professional men's hockey. She, along with Aaron Hamlin, laid the foundation for future female goaltenders. She worked for Louisville Slugger and Easton, making groundbreaking equipment for men's and women's hockey players for quite some time. She's traveled to some of the most incredible places through hockey. She's a girl mom. She's volunteered for the Special Olympics. She's in the Northeastern University Athletics and the Massachusetts USA Hockey Hall of Fame. And she now works for Surgically Clean Air. Talk about pivoting. And I won't even begin to explain what she does, but she will a little bit later in the show. It's a fascinating company that all started at a trade show. You can find her on Twitter at Hayes underscore Kelly D32. I love that number for a number of reasons as a basketball fan and uh, basketball coach, Magic Johnson, or email her at kelly at surgicallycleanair.com. Kelly, glad we could finally work it out. Sorry for all the delays, but welcome to the Sports Deli podcast where everyone deserves a seat at the table, especially during our 50th anniversary of Title IX Celebration Series. Thank you, and uh, impressive uh, combination of finding out uh, my history there. That was a great summary. Yeah, it's funny to watch the reactions of uh, all the guests because I used to talk about it with uh, my two co-hosts who used to do this with me about doing it in post-production, but the reactions were so great. <laughs> we just continue to, to do it. And uh, I enjoy the research uh, and listening to previous podcasts and, you know, getting to know people before I have them on. There's something to be said for doing things spontaneously, I guess. But, you know, I think it's important also that people know that you care about them as people, not just as athletes, which, you know, we've talked a lot about recently with mental health and those types of things, you know, in sport. And so I'm from hockey town uh, and a lot of my friends skated. Uh, I hated it. I hated being cold. I hated swimming, anything cold. I couldn't skate. I mean, I was pretty talented. I played five sports in high school. And now one of my best friends from childhood, his uh, kid just got uh, drafted by Calgary and he plays now for uh, UMass, ironically, transferred from Michigan State. Um, but what was it like for you? Uh, the first question is usually ask this in the rabbit fire, but I'm curious because I remember my first hockey game, uh, in Detroit. I mean, I'd never experienced anything like that in my life. And then later when I went to a playoff hockey game, seeing everyone smash on the glass and literally go bananas. And for those of you watching, listening, if you've never been to a hockey game, like men or women, you got to go to a hockey game. It is like one of the, it's got to be on your bucket list. So what was it like going to a Bruins game when you were a kid? Uh, you know, it was pretty exciting. It was a 
big event, you know, for us as a family, we lived right outside of um, the Boston area. So a trip in, you know, was yeah. into the city. Um, we had friends that had club member seats. So not oh, only would wow. we sit in our regular seats, but we got to visit like the club area. So I remember that was a really big deal. Um, but it was pretty exciting. Uh, we had a uh, host of characters on the Bruins back then. Um, <laughs> So my favorite, of course, was uh, Jerry Cheevers and Gilles oh, Jolivert, yeah. the two goaltenders. Um, oh man! But you know, we had Terry O'Reilly and uh, lots of lots of characters. Um, so no, it was really impressive. Um, back in the day, you know, people got a little more dressed up to go to events like this, or didn't get dressed up and had their shirts off, or um, painted, yeah, that's painted their chest. Maybe they had their chest painted <laughs> underneath. Exactly. Uh, you know, it was pretty fun. Yeah, I remember. I mean, uh, I had different experiences uh, going to hockey games. You know, one of my uh, neighbors would, uh, realizing it now, he would scalp tickets. So he would say, oh, anyone have an extra ticket? Everyone, uh, And so we'd sit in the parking lot with them, freezing our asses off in the wintertime, trying to buy a ticket for five bucks, and he'd try and sell for 20. So, and then he's like, yeah, that's how we're going to pay to get in the game. And then we would sneak into the game sometimes by and only then having you'd one have beer money <laughs> right exactly yeah well and so you know you're he there's only one ticket taker and so he's handing him the five dollar ticket and i'm standing on the other side trying to sneak in to make and my heart would be pounding to make sure that they didn't see that i was sneaking in it, it was yeah. a crazy experience but yeah i mean going to hockey games was was amazing but talk just was that your inspiration to you know want you to mention those goalies phenomenal goalies obviously and we had our share as well back in the day. But was that your inspiration or was it just more you like being on the ice and it just spoke to you? Well, I think there was a big, you know, uh, forward movement for the sport of ice hockey just at this time throughout yeah. everything. But with the Bruins, you know, we had Bob Yor as well. Yeah. Uh, his inspiration throughout the area. Um, and right when I was probably 10 or so, there was a huge Massachusetts um, funding act to build rinks. Um, so all of a sudden there was, they were called MDC arenas, um, coming up. So there's more availability to play. And with that, you know, come learn to play and all of that. But I had actually started with figure skating and then my brother, David, who's two years older was playing hockey. So I would go to his games and actually, so we grew up in Acton. So next door was the Neshoba Valley arena. I'd go to the left for figure skating. David go to the right. And I'm like, you know, that rink on the right is a lot more fun, um, uh, so I just kept hanging around until uh, long enough somebody needed a goalie. But wow. I started off on street hockey. I mean, that's all we did after school. Right. If you were in a sport, was driveway hockey, street hockey was just uh, constant. That's cool. D Money in the house. Shout out to D Money. Big bro. So but was there pushback for for girls but you know because you were sort of on the cusp of you know the title nine women's sports girls sports a pushback that we used to see you know it's funny at this stage of my life and even with covid there was a lot of time for reflection so you know mm -hmm. christmas 2020 uh there was no family gatherings and so it yeah. was just our family here and i took the opportunity to go through these cases of things that i had in the basement like oh, pictures wow. and jerseys and articles Goodness. and um, you know, my goalie coach early on was Joe Britannia, and uh, he always taught us to keep a journal. You know, oh, we looked to the right, we saw this player to the left, etc. And I saw these journals, which was really interesting. Wow. Um, but upon reflection, you know, you really 
well, one, you remember all the things you did, like even your introduction, I was like, wow, I forgot about a couple of those things. So it was kind of neat to walk through your, your own history a little bit. Um, but I didn't really see or feel the objection at mm. that stage because I wasn't looking for it. I just right. wanted to play hockey. Mm. You know, I wasn't making a stand. I wasn't making a showing. I wasn't being there for any other purpose for the love of the game. And, uh, you know, being a goalie is always interesting as far as the timing of being needed. Um, so at that point in time, the boys organization, just Acton Boxborough Boys Hockey, um, they had a couple goalies, um, but there was a lull in between and they they just needed somebody to play net. So it was really nice. I was playing for Acidic Girls in Concord, um, but then all of a sudden there was no goaltender to play in my age group on, on just AB hockey. It like, didn't matter what gender you were, color of your skin wow. or your ethnicity, just we need yeah. a goalie. Yeah. And so it was a great situation to walk into and, and just play. That's awesome. <laughs> I thought about this because goalies have the most equipment, right? Like how long does it take you to put on, like to first of all, learn how to do it correctly, right? Because if you don't put it on right, like you could get nailed, <laughs> right? Like you're getting nailed anyway. It hurts, right? A hockey puck, like it hurt. I mean, it's got to hurt even with the padding, right? Or, you know, you may get hit in the neck. Did you ever get hit in the neck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah man alive wow i used to have really long hair and somebody oh. skated over the back of my wow. ponytail and cut the whole under layer of my ponytail off but the scary thing about that is think about how close the skate blade right. was to to the rest of uh those important pieces oh my god um, but the equipment part and you're right i i sometimes now because you know i went on and i did a lot in hockey equipment i mean i right. created a line of women's hockey equipment and such and I don't know which came first, um, but my love of equipment was noticeable early on. So I don't know if that's what drew me to the goalie because they have the wow. most stuff. Right. Um, but I absolutely, I loved my gear as a player. I had total appreciation for every aspect of the back then, the leather pads to the face masks and, and everything. So a uh, huge passion for equipment and, uh, and that's sort of stayed with me the rest of my life. Well, we talk about the masks though, like, you know, cause goalies all have their own unique masks and stuff. Like, did you like seek out, you know, like motorcycle helmets or like, yeah. you know, did you, did you have your own like collection based on the mood you're in or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, so when we were younger, like it took a little while for them to evolve. So the older goalie face mask, like think of Jared Cheevers with the, the stitches, right? Exactly. So that's when they had the eyes actually cut around. Those were not legal for people other than the nhl to play because wow. there was a lot of impact to the face sure. and so during that time if you think of like mike vernon and right. um islanders billy smith right they were a helmet with a mask it was actually right. the hm30 was the mask that most of them wore so all the way through you hear that school, ladies and gentlemen the hm30 <laughs> that love tech see i was always <laughs> in the gear yeah and uh with your Cooper SK2000 helmet, <laughs> was the best combination. Cooper S, oh my God, that is phenomenal. Yeah, these I things stay it. with you. But these were important pieces of equipment. Right. Um, yeah, so that's what we wore. And like, you know, so you mentioned Tom Barrasso. So Tom was obviously just an amazing, not only amazing athlete as far as his talent, but the most notable was his level of focus. Mm you know, down to the level, like he was one year ahead of me in high school. And when they were getting their, their class rings just for their class, and he's like, 
no thanks. And like, what do you mean, no thanks? He's like, yeah, the only ring I want is the Stanley Cup. Wow. And he got two of them. Yes, he did. So, and the all-time winningest goaltender in the NHL. So, you know, it was that kind of focus, I think, made a huge impact on me, like both myself and my goalie partner was Danny Phillips. And, uh, you know, we both kind of looked like him as far as the stance and the helmet and the cage we wore. Uh, right. Tommy catches with his right hand, so he's a southpaw. Yeah. Uh, so we couldn't emulate him entirely. But, you know, there was so much about his game that was so good. But again, it was the level of focus and like the elimination of distraction that was really, really impressive with him. Well, did you ever uh, talk to him later in life just about? Well, I did actually. Yeah. So um, he married a friend of mine from Acton who was my teammate on a couple other sports. Wow. And then um, he had three daughters, uh, you know, went off and played in Pittsburgh and went on. Mm -hmm. So as I was with Team USA, I became the athlete representative to the executive committee. Mm. And so with that, I was in charge with, of the athlete director's board. And the board then was a representation group from USA Hockey to the Olympic Committee. So we had like a sanctioned role. So I was the head of this athletes committee. Um, and so created the way it was going to be formed. Well, Tommy had applied and then won the vote to be the athlete representative. Mm. So then he was, wow. we were on the board together for a while. Uh, so it was kind of cool. We had a couple meetings. It was a warmer climate, a beautiful area. And I remember I'm a morning person, so I got up and went to the gym, and there's Tommy already there in a puddle of sweat, you know, I'm like, God, he even beat me to the gym, um, but he was a little, you know, hard on me, um, not only Tommy, but, you know, his, his, his parents a little bit, um, but later in life, Tom Barrasso Sr., may he rest in peace, told me that they were concerned that if Tommy had a girl backup that it would hurt his opportunities to get, you know, drafted and recruited. Wow. So, you know, again, unknowns. Sign of would the that times. make him look like he was in a weaker league because there was a girl mm -hmm. playing or whatever. So, I mean, in my more understanding self now in maturity, sure. <laughs> I can, uh, I can yeah. appreciate that. So, you know, in, in their own way, they had their own reason. So it was nice to come back with Tommy as we were both adults and, Hmm. uh you know both family people and just talk yeah right uh i was agitated just hearing the story i can't imagine <laughs> it being you like literally living it yeah but you know i've been in discussions with lots of of groups and for us female athletes that went down this route of playing where no woman had been before mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if I was cognizant of it at the time, but there's a little bit of, you know, hey, I chose to put myself in their locker room, on their bus, in their game. So you got to kind of roll with things a little bit um, to yeah. make it all work. And then also as a goalie, you need the respect and the admiration of your players. <laughs> so you don't get your head taken off, uh, but also, you know, control that rebound. If they don't pick it up and move it out, you know, it's not going to be a great outcome. So, you know, really showing that you're there for the team and, and kind of establishing yourself in that way is important. Um, and it was important. Uh, like my little example, when I jumped in and I played for Acton Boxborough boys, well, those boys then grew up to be the guys I played Acton Boxborough high school with. So that was important. Right. And I remember Andy Bachman was interviewed by, um, actually it was Mike Levy, the sports announcer who was interviewed, oh, wow. what's it like to have a girl on your team? And Andy's answer was, we don't have a girl, it's just Kelly. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. yeah. So that was how they felt about me, which was wonderful. I mean, you know, 
they were all in my brother's age group too, but I felt like they were an extension of my, of my brothers. Yeah. That's awesome that you had that experience. And I want to ask you about the importance of representation in a, in a second, but I thought of, um, cause we used to follow sports differently back in the day. We had newspapers, you know, we opened it up every day and we checked the statistics and, you know, it was just different. You know, we, we actually read the paper, you know, there was no social media and all that stuff. And I actually remember, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, Rayom. Menon. Yeah. Menon. Rayom. And so I remember reading about her. I'm like, wow, really? Like, is that a thing? And so did you, she was the first, I believe the first female ever to play men's professional hockey. She was, and not only that, but at the yeah. NHL level. So at the highest right, level. At the highest level. Did you yeah. ever have a conversation with her? And, and Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, because then, you know, she didn't stay up in the NHL. She moved down to the minors and then yeah. I was in the minors the next year. But then also at the time there was this big push called Roller Hockey International. So they're like, oh, let's that. just take this model of pro hockey and find a way to fill the seats in the summertime. So it was inline skates, but hockey. And it was the RHI. So she played for New Jersey and I played for mm. Orlando. So we played against each other then. Mm. And then also she played for Team Canada, um, women's right. national team. And I, I played remember that. USA. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we were positioned together wow. a couple of times and also with Erin. Um, her mm. maiden name is Witten and then Hamlin. Um, so the three of us, you know, at times would be interviewed and, and talked. But, you know, Menot was quite a quite a great or great goalie um and now oh, she wow. you should see her now she's um really into pilates i mean she's probably in the best shape of her life wow. right now so she's really stayed with it um but she was quite remarkable and you know i played at 5'11 175 pounds and um so pretty good size and then you know mental i think was like 5'2 and played at about you know 120 so that's a whole different proportion <laughs> unbelievable um, yeah but keep in mind too, you know, a lot of goaltending is, uh, you know, sort of mathematical, if you will, playing the percentage, playing the angle. Um, so again, if your positioning is correct, it's uh, less needed, the physicality. Man, that is, <laughs> I don't think I remember that she was that petite. I mean, that is, you know, just to command that type of respect and, and be that polarizing in that era. I mean, there's so yeah. many layers to that whole thing. Wow, that's yeah. my, that's mind blowing. You know, and, I remember spending some yeah. time with her. So in 1994, wow. um, the Women's World Championships were hosted in Lake Placid. Um, right. So it was the first time we got to host um, the World Championships, and so you know all the countries were there. So we had we lived at the Olympic Training Center, sure. and uh, she came through and and got her food and stuff. So it was really interesting just to see her in a casual like you know dining room experience it's like wow you really are petite you know uh, so amazing to stand up there with that much power and that much um fierceness um wow. you know pound for pound versus your opponent you're at uh, a, a big difference i mean talking about breaking glass ceilings and being a trailblazer in probably the second arguably the second hardest sport there is i mean some would argue the top sport you know gymnastics probably harder just because of so many things you have to do, but to basically be playing basketball or, you know, uh, soccer on skates, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, and say, well, she was just a goaltender. No, it's not. First of all, she's like the catcher in baseball, right? You see everything. 
probably the smartest person because you're always observing and you're noticing tendencies and, you know, you're sort of a coach, you know, uh, on the, on the ice. Sort of a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Like the quarterback. Exactly. Yeah. You have a different perspective and you can see plays break out and, um, you know, note what's working and not working or even pick up what the other goalies tendencies are to help your forwards. Yeah. Wow. So did you ever approach your coaches and, and say, uh, coach, I don't think this line's working, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, but I was also (laughs) very fortunate, like even growing up playing for Asabet, um, we won tournaments. We probably had no business winning. I remember a couple of times we would have, you know, two, two lines of forwards, so six forwards and and three defense and myself, and that would be it. And wow. of course, uh, the players that we had were amazing, like Cindy Curley, um, you know, Heather Lindstad, Leah Basbane. Wow. Um, and so, you know, we didn't, we, we had to roll with whatever the adjustments were. Um, so I played for Asabit for a long time. Um, so growing up, played college and then went back and stayed through there as well. Yeah, well, t- talk about, because um, I want to get into the 1998 Olympic team, but 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 you said your daughter's shy, she's in middle school. And what, what do you notice, because it's a delicate balance, right? You want to help the kids experience things, try things that are uncomfortable, but you want to let them, you know, we're living in a different time, right? The grind yes. is different. Like the old school is different in hockey. I don't think there was necessarily like pick up basketball, but you know, like it's just, it's a whole different mentality. Whereas now it's, it's like, it seems like it's just supposed to be handed to you in a, an instant gratification kind of thing. And I know for me and you, you know, it, the grind was real, you know, like you had to put in the time and the, but, but what you learned from that, the life skills, you know, do you think not necessarily your daughter, but just right. Cause our daughters are almost the same age. Do you think they understand that or does it have to just be fun or like, what's the, what's the magic formula now? Do you think so they have a balance between the old school and the new school? <laughs> Well, that is a golden question, right? So even like, you know, Christmas 2020, I was going through these things and, you know, Elizabeth was old enough to know uh, about sports and things. I'm like, oh, do you want to see this? You know, this is from Nagano, you know, 1998. Right. No, seen those pictures, you know, but, you know, (laughs) she saw one or two of them that might've been out of my office or something, but yeah, it's funny to try to have them have appreciation of what's been done. And even with Title IX and the 50th anniversary this year, you know, I did a couple of talks um, with school groups and it's amazing uh, until the topic was brought up, they didn't have any recognition of it. And so really slight teachings. And, you know, my first couples I had, you know, my talk kind of laid out and prepared. And as I was doing more, I'm like, I got to just open this up for question and answer and really get to what the kids are thinking Right. Um, so give a little bit of groundwork and touch on the history, but then really point it back to to them. Um, but yeah, so many opportunities for girls and women to play. Um, like when I first went to university, there was uh, three schools uh, that had, you know, commitment to women's ice hockey, three wow. um, that had scholarships. So there was others in clubs and up and coming. But, what were the other two and, besides Northeastern? So Providence and UNH. Wow. Yeah, all in the same vicinity, of course. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, that's that's sort of the golden question that you asked is how do we have like appreciation from where we come from, why we continue to move things forward. But is it the coaches? Um, like, do, do the coaches have to uh, care about you, especially girls, because girls quit so much more often than boys do. 
you know, cause I've coached men for 15 years. This is my 16th year on the women's side. And I mean, there are some nuances and things, but don't you have to just make them feel like they're valued and they're having fun? Like, and then you can build that trust from there. Yeah, I think, you know, trust and respect are the keys to most everything. Uh, there are definitely, at least in hockey, there's some big differences in coaching men to women. And mm. during my time at Team USA, that is what happened is that um, the coaches were sort of coming in and out in a one-year sort of trial. Like, I think they thought of it as a, you know, mentorship pro program. And then, so what they really did is they ended up with the Northeastern coach. So Don McLeod was first and the UNH coach, um, Russ McCurdy, um, and then the Providence coach came in and, you know, then Digit Murphy um, came in from Brown. She was our assistant coach oh, wow. in 92 in Norway and Finland. Um, so again, you know, it was pretty cool to have the rotation of coaches but it was also I think not so much on the goaltenders but on the forwards like all right what's our you know set plays here what's our cycling or not cycling and that those mm -hmm. types of things so um but I think as the men came over from the men's game the first thing they said is I should have switched to coaching women's ice hockey a long time ago because wow. they listen <laughs> right so I think you know you tell guys you know I, I remember they were practicing face-offs and so they were giving okay you know do these five particular things and each of the women went did them and then they were successful and they said I've been telling my guys team that for two years they have yet to listen to one single aspect of what I tell them so I think you know interesting it's all human nature if you give to somebody you want them to utilize what you've given and then you feel good and they feel good and then it brings about a a successful outcome yeah building culture right and, and camaraderie you know it's it's important especially to girls at that age especially younger uh younger girls to feel connected and you know feel like you're it, it's all inclusive i mean especially i don't know about hockey but a lot of sports you know the lgbtq community comes into play yeah and you know you want to make sure that you're really feeling supported you know, because middle school can be brutal, as we talked about earlier. Yeah, it's a big time of transition. We just had open house the other night and, you know, it's uh, mm -hmm. see things much differently than what we had when we were in school. But back to the coaching aspect, I think mm -hmm. one of the biggest difference, you know, having played both men's and women's hockey is, you know, a coach might be mad in, in a men's locker room, you know, without swearing, we'd, we'd come in like, you know, Bleepity bleep 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 and you bleep and what the heck you you stay up all night because you suck today you know and that gets the guys all fired up right I'll I'll change the course you did that to a women's locker room you just crumbled the room right um, so you know I remember Coach Smith had one of the best sayings um, we were in Finland and we were tied after like the second period so he came into the room and got everybody's attention everybody's just waiting in anticipation of what he's going to say and he simply said the hay is in the barn and turned around and walked out everybody's like what does it mean what does it mean and for some reason i would have got it to the end. like it says your work is done it's time to play so let's play wow you know we ended up winning one to nothing <laughs> which um you know so again oh, it's man. more of a a different way of motivating sure um you don't i don't think it has to be all rainbows and unicorns but um definitely you know with a little more kindness and maybe a little more direct like hey you need to really work on this back check a little bit more with our opponent today but you know give specifics 
Do you think there should be some sort of certification? Because I know as a basketball coach, like you said, there's yellers for maybe the guys stereotypically and for the girls, you know, you got to be a little more gentle and massage their egos a little bit differently or, you know, approach things differently. But like I know with tennis as a tennis coach, you know, collegiately, intercollegiately for a long time. There is a lot of certifications with, you know, either volleyball or certain sports, but like coaches just coach, like there's no teaching, like there's no, I just feel like there should be some sort of interpersonal, you know, education or, I mean, something just to get yeah. other, otherwise you just don't have a foundation. I feel like, I don't know. Yeah. In the sport of hockey, there is quite an intensive um, process through USA hockey. Mm-hmm. and um, multiple level, levels of certification into a master's program. And I think you need to go through the first level to be able to coach. Mm-hmm. Um, when That's my awesome. daughter was playing ice hockey, I was the assistant coach and I had just started through that process. So um, again, when you get into you know private schools and other sectors, and if they're mm-hmm. not USA hockey certified organization, I don't think they have to have it. I don't know what the other okay. mandate would be. And yeah. I know through our experience so far, in the school system is most of the coaches are teachers so right. they think they have sort of a code of ethics that they need to answer to through that yeah i think I, I definitely think it helps to at least have some knowledge you know about you know how to handle people and you know um as opposed to just being an old school yeller yeah my you know. problem coaching is not having favorites especially you know being a goalie i tend to want to <laughs> be in their corner Sure. entirely um but i think that's a a really hard thing for coaches i mean you're always going to have the, the kids and the players you know you really like but you really got to yeah. keep it even yeah um so i'm always mindful of that when i was coaching yeah that's good well and to you know want to be around people that are not necessarily afraid to take advice you know from their assistants or you know you're not the smartest person in the room that there's still things to learn after all this time that right. you know you can become a better version of yourself so that's pretty cool yeah go ahead and then the parent thing is another thing um at all Ooh. aspects I, I love the right. thing by a lot of coaches that the perfect team for me would be a team of orphans so <laughs> you know it's right. the parents and managing so you know as everybody in every walk of life we're all wearing so many hats now yeah. and so I see that um at all levels is you know not only keeping the spirits high and focus and teaching as a coach, but then also having to deal with, shall we say the the parents, but to keep that level of, of happiness as well. Yeah. That they've done studies with the new England journal of medicine for years on that. I'm actually going to have someone on the show coming up uh, that's going to talk about um, the effect of parents and family and friends on referees and what referees have to go through uh, to the point of death. And so oh. it's it's pretty scary how some of these refs, you know, uh, have people waiting for them in the parking lots. And so, you know, you talk about the parents. There's a lot of parents out there that, you know, obviously take things too far. And so that'll be an interesting conversation. So over your right shoulder, you have the the Nagano 1998, you know, the Olympic poster there. And for those of you that don't know, the 98 women's hockey team, the USA hockey team was the first mm-hmm. ever and uh so you know to be a part of that man just you can i for those of you just listening not watching she, uh kelly's smiling right now <laughs> just because of the pride you know and the memories and probably come flooding back every time you talk about it but what what was japan like and you know what what was that experience like for you so and your my, my pride is in different ways um 
is because for me and being part of the very first ever Women's Team USA, you know, official sanction was 1990 and we had our first ever Worlds in Ottawa. We had a sold out uh, stadium and we had uh, over a million viewers on TV. And that event, 1990, is what kicked off the uh, turning point for women's hockey to get accepted into the Olympics. Um, we were probably quite lucky that Canada hosts the event. Right. Uh, they did an absolutely beautiful job. I remember things like each country had their own floor of an absolutely beautiful hotel. And on that, there was a masseuse and a nutritionist and a physical therapist room, like all set up on each country's floor, uh, the clothing, the team meals, like everything was first class. And what they were able to do to promote it is what, you know, brought in 10,000 people and filled the stadium. And then their TSN covered it and they're just hawking people. So the viewership was strong. So that is when the um, IOC first started taking a look at the sport of women's ice hockey to actually be included into the Olympics. Can we let that breathe for a second? Because, I mean, hearing you say that, like not the, just the 10,000 fans, but, 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 but the nutritionist, the, the masseuse, like this wasn't some rinky-dink, raggedy-ass operation like you saw at the NCAA tournament even a couple of years ago with no weight room. Right. You're talking about treating women back then, and you and you made the 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 great point, obviously, that you know Canada hosted it because you know Canada, you know hockey was basically you know uh, started there for all intents and purposes, uh, and it's so big there, and just yeah. in terms of viewership yeah. and support and you know that type of thing. So I just want to make sure that we for people that are not hockey people, you have no idea between you know it being a women's sport you know, north of the border, our friends north of the border, you know, it's never existed. It's not like this is, we're 20 years in, and this is the fifth Olympics or, you know, the, the this is like literally the first time in 1990, you know, only 18 years after Title IX started. So I find that like literally fascinating that they went to yeah. such lengths to, to make it such an incredible experience. And then you have 10,000 fans to boot. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. So what, what you were talking wow. about, like pride and respect, and you know, it was just like, you know, just so elevating for us. We, oh. we thought we were living the dream and it's probably the first time we ever had like kids lined up for our autographs. Right. How many fans did you get at the Northeastern games? The crowd control walls up so that, you know, we have room to walk, but the crowd yeah. would still be there. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah, like how many fans would you get at a Northeastern women's ice hockey? Well, yeah, great comparison. So, you know, Two years before that so when i was at northeastern we won back-to-back -back championships and even when we were hosting at northeastern we were playing 500 700 and you know most of them were family cousins you know right. spouse or whatever of uh, the family of the player um so yeah this was absolutely unheard of never unheard had there of. been that kind of attendance for a women's ice hockey game oh, holy shit i like yeah. can't even imagine what you know, and probably against you, right? Because you're, you know, you're from Team USA in Canada. Well, but you probably still had a really lot of fans. Me, uh, when Canada scored their first goal off of me. Oh, my God. They erupted with such explosion of clapping and body movement oh. and yelling that it actually vibrated my ribcage. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not nervous. I'm not shaking, but my body is like being vibrated. It was an absolute trip. Oh, my God. That is, that's incredible. 
And so how was the the rest of the, you know, the experience, you know, the opening ceremony and, and just, you know, your time in Japan, like what, what was it like? Okay. There? So that's what I wanted to get to. So then we were supposed to become an Olympic sport in 94, right? but due to shortage of rink space in Norway, it wasn't possible. So then it got set to be for 98. Frickin' um, Norway. A lot of nerve. <laughs> yeah. We did have like a month long training in Norway, though. I must tell you, it's absolutely beautiful. And mm -hmm. the people are are just remarkable. Uh, but you do need to like um, pickled herring. Luckily, I do. Um, oh, wow. So it's okay. <laughs> Some people weren't too thrilled with the food choices. I'm sure. There was a lot of peanut butter and bread going around. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but I was actually cut from the team in uh, March of 97. Um, so for me, and when you said, I feel the pride for 98, it's mm -hmm. the pride for the sport, right? It's the pride for those players who had been my teammates. Mm -hmm. Um, but also USA hockey, um, they made the spokesperson for the sport. So they brought me to Nagano mm -hmm. as a spokesperson. And my job was to go to all the socials and talk about women's ice hockey. And they were, they were just trying to transition to make it more youthful. That was um, the main reason. Well, a lot of people had, you know, your basic questions like, why is there no checking in women's hockey? And what are the difference in the rules? And, you know, you still got the questions. Can they still have babies if they play hockey? You know? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah. So my job was really um, just to talk about the sport and kind of flow with, you know, press things or interviews. Mm -hmm. um, just really talk about the growth of it from the college aspects and those types of things. And, um, you know, I was sitting next to Colleen Coyne's mom and dad um, at the red line, you know, four rows up for the final game when Team wow. USA defeated Canada. And it was absolutely unbelievable. Um, the explosion of that crowd was, wow. was fabulous. The way the athletes played and performed and just clicked beautifully. Um, and a lot of people would ask me, that's why I kind of prefaced it before I, I mm -hmm. said it to you. It's like, oh, aren't you sad? And, and I can't be sad because they won um, right. the goaltenders, well, Sarah DaCosta and Sarah Teeting that played were amazing. Amazing. So I was 32 years old at the time. Um, my nickname on the team was Grandma. <laughs> uh, so I was the <laughs> oldest player. And, uh, you know, I am not too long after that, I had a hip replaced. And a couple of mm -hmm. years after that, I had another hip replaced. So, you know, For you sure. know when you're not at your peak anymore. And yeah, was it rough? It was rough at the time. Yeah. But then, you know, you come to the reality of the situation and it's better for the whole, it was better for the sport, it was better right. for the team, it was better apparently for USA Hockey to win the gold medal because, and actually Sarah Teeting ended up being the pivotal player of that right down to the wire. I don't know if you remember, but I don't know how she turned her body a certain way. I do remember that. Oh my God. Extended her toe. I mean, it was all net and it was just it was it was just going in and then I think she actually put that leg behind her front leg and just kicked it out so you know there's there's nothing but pure joy and happiness yeah. and still pride um for you know myself and Cindy Curley and Tina Cardinelli and the other athletes um wow that were big and involved for all these years I was I was happy just for everyone and it was truly a great event yeah not only for for you individually and them individually, but for, 
you know, the country. Growth yeah. numbers after oh. that were significant. Um, not only uh, just, you know, youth hockey, the participation just exploded. Uh, USA Hockey partnered with the Girl Scouts and, you know, Try Hockey Day. Um, oh, wow, I didn't know did that. a campaign with Play It Again Sports, you know, free wow. equipment for, you know, trial. Uh, but then we saw high school hockey explode, um, especially mm. in Minnesota, who wasn't as much in the game at that level yet. And of course, they did an excellent job with it, but the college levels throughout. So it was quite remarkable. Wow. And then the Wheaties box. I mean, all yeah, right. You kind of dream of as a kid and to see <laughs> this happen um, for, you know, our sport uh, didn't matter, um, you know, who wasn't on the box. It mattered that, that a lot of them were. Right. Do you feel like you learn that level of selflessness and, and uh, you know, understanding the greater good because of your parents and your brother? Well, it's got to come from somewhere, right? Now that we're yeah. parents ourselves, you see that sure. a lot of that does matter. Um, but I think just the whole role of being a goaltender is like, I could never win a game by myself. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've always been gifted to have like the best defenseman in the world. <laughs> <laughs> right. and even when I first came up to play at the highest level at Acevit, I mean, I had this defenseman um kelly fitzpatrick and like i remember from the first day like i would make a rebound and turn to her and it would like land on the blade of her stick so it's always having that connection but it's it's just full team out um, yeah. sport yeah that's awesome do you want to talk a little bit about mental health you know how it was then versus now because obviously we've seen a lot of professional athletes talk more about it trying to normalize it you know, whether it's uh, people that are bipolar or just having acute depression or anything in between and how we're handling it now versus, you know, maybe how you would have handled it back then. Well, I think the way we handled it back then, uh, especially for myself, is you just trudge through and ignore it mm. and keep moving forward to whatever that forward was at that time. And, yeah. you know, I think I'm just seeing now, especially the dynamics of being a female in an all-male environment in the times that I was. And again, my philosophy at the time is I chose to be here. I need to be flexible to deal with the situation and make it to be a positive outcome, which it often was. I mean, it was very fortunate that way. But I see now, looking back on it, maybe the opening up through the public, you know, that it had its impact on me, for sure. I mean, right. um, I went right from an athlete career to creating women's hockey equipment and then working hockey sales into medical sales. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I never really left that competitive environment because I loved it and did well at it. But, you know, you see that constant drive is, is not good. Your, your, your body and your system needs a certain amount of rest. So I'm very compassionate now and sort of interested in my own reflections of this mm -hmm. to see what's happening. And the most alarming part for me is, you know, the suicides that right. we saw over these last couple of years with um, high performing, you know, great academics, great teammate, great seeming people in the female college athletes. And, you know, I, again, it's, it's like at Stanford. Yeah. And a number yeah, of other places. Tender. Yeah. And um, it is, and, and trying to identify like, how is this so different for women versus men? And again, kind of going back to the hockey situation, like, 
for men's hockey say they didn't make the U.S. team. Well, that's fine. They'll go back and go to camp with Philadelphia Flyers, right? They have other opportunities. But for women, when there's less opportunities, you don't make this team. That is the end of your career. Right. I get goosebumps just saying that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, it brings up a lot more pressure right. on you to achieve. And I think um, just the sort of difference in in our behavior between men and women is women tend to have a little bit of perfectionism. So again, wanting to be perfect, wanting to not only be this great athlete, be the great student, you know, or some guys will be like, yeah, I'm just here to play football, my grades, so I'll just get through. But women are like, I got to be great at everything, including a great friend mm-hmm. um, and great support for, for everybody um, in yeah. her circle. So it's a lot of pressure and uh, I don't know how to alleviate that or to think what might be helpful, um, except for people being open and communicating yeah and saying it's okay right i think that's definitely a big start it's okay to feel the stress right across the board you know from the manager to the trainer to the coaches to you know each other you know welcoming those conversations um yeah yeah. so i think this is a big part so i'm glad you Mm -hmm. mentioned i think it's a big Mm -hmm. part of our focus it's something i would like to you know commit myself to more and uh, understand it um and see how collectively we, we help. Yeah, I've had a lot of people on that have been very candid about their suicide attempts, um, their, you know, manic depression, you know, and, and so it's just a, a safe space for people to be able to share their stories. You know, I've had six dads, two of them killed themselves. You know, so you know, a lot of people have these stories, and the more we hear these stories, you know, it, it resonates with people for different reasons, and then, you know, they feel like they're not alone and it's 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 okay to talk about you know you and i have a different mindset now like you talked about right but in middle school you're worried about everything under the sun from being bullied to people sharing messages with you know the whole school and you know you're being outed or i mean there's just so many things and it's it, it can be brutally um devastating for a lot of people as we've seen, you know, over the last three decades. And so, you know, we just have to continue to, to make sure it's at the forefront, not in the background. Right. And I think just because, you know, somebody appears a certain way, like they seem like they've got exactly. it all together and they're, you know, making the great save or scoring the important goal and getting good grades, you really need to sort of take a step back and really see how you are really dealing and feeling with things. And I think it turns into like, the truest level of inner confidence and sure. sort of remembering that, you know, the sport is for preparation of life. It's, it's not life itself. Absolutely. And it took a long time for me to be able to say that. Right. <laughs> um, but Absolutely. Know, it really is. It, it's to teach you good values and working together and all these things we know, but we can't let it become bigger than ourselves. Yeah, we all have blind spots, you know, whether you're yeah. at the professional level. Oh, I did level. too. I'm not pointing yeah. any fingers, trust right. me. Right. No, that's what that's what I gathered from what you were saying, you know, reading between yeah. the lines. Yeah, because you're so in the forest, you don't see the trees sometimes because you're just like, this is my one shot. Like, I can't blow it, you know, kind of deal. Right. And the other thing I realized, too, now looking back through everything, it's sometimes hard to get off the bus. You're like, oh, my gosh, you know, either obligation to the team, like the team needs me for X, Y, Z, whatever you have in your your mind and your heart at that time. It's it's really hard to, to know when to stop, you know, yeah. Um that's why my favorite goalie growing up was Ken Dryden. Oh, you know, wow. Ken, you know, graduate from Cornell, a lawyer. He won uh, four or five Stanley Cups with Montreal and said, you know, I've achieved all I wanted to achieve in the sport. I'm going to go on and 
mm -hmm. know, start writing books or whatever the case right. may be. So that's really hard to do. Really hard. Yeah. Yeah, because you're defined by that for so long. Yes. Yeah. I remember yeah. when I finally, you know, got cut from Team USA. It was like, oh my God. And nobody's ever going to want my autograph again. You know, right. if I yeah. coach, people won't want to listen to what I have to say. And mm. none of that mattered. You know, it's 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 not Yeah, as but it's real to you. Perfect. And that and that happens with a lot of athletes. That's why we talk about mental health, you know, being financially literate. You know, there's a lot of things that go along with that, you know, when you're doing something for 20 years and then it comes to yeah. a screeching halt. I mean, that that's hard. It's just, it yeah. just is. And yeah. like you you mentioned, like identity, but not your external identity, even your identity right. yourself. Like I remember feeling, you know, pointedly, like if I am not the USA hockey goalie, who am I? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So have you had any... Uh, discussions with Billie Jean King, you know, being a part of the Women's Sports Foundation, because, you know, we've had Phaedra Knight on, former president, and, uh, you know, what she's done behind the scenes, and you know, obviously she's more at the forefront a little bit recently at the U.S. Open, because Serena was... Oh, yeah, she is everywhere night. right now. That girl's Man. on fire. So, <laughs> yeah, so Amazing. I did meet with Billie Jean King quite a bit. Um, my road to the Women's Sports Foundation is after the 1990 World Championships, I got back and I'm like, the whole world needs to know about this women's world championships. I just picked up the phone and just called everybody like <laughs> anything awesome. that has to do with a female specific brand organization wow. group. So I called the Women's Sports Foundation. This wonderful woman named Yolanda Jackson answers. Mm -hmm. I'm all ready to like dig in and say why this is important. I just tell her when world championships, this great event, blah, blah, blah. You know, you really should have women's ice hockey represented. She's like, are you available on November 5th? <laughs> and it was their wow. first, you know, their their sports gala. So, which is a wow. gorgeous black tie event. And sure. I said, I am. Hopped in my car and went down to New York City. Uh, wow. for that. And then I stayed with them for five or six years. And then it rotated through our, our team members. So that was sure. awesome. And then now, of course, Megan Duggan's the president. Right. Having some hockey representation there. Absolutely. So. Yeah, it was great. And so during that process, you know, hung out a bit with Billie Jean King, but also met uh, Martina Navratilova. Man, I've been that dying really to get her on the show. She's amazing. Oh, my she God. She is amazing. So we actually on. ran into each other in the washroom. <laughs> a little <TV laughs> Oh, wow. So we're just in the bathroom. We're talking, you know, her arms were just like so impressive. <laughs> oh I'm like, I can't even believe I'm standing here washing my hands. And she's like, you're the hockey girl, right? And she said, yeah. And I'm like, she's like, I've always wanted to try that sport. And so at the time... Um, the New York Rangers wives had started a little group in New York City. And so I connected her and I think she played a little bit of hockey with Mike Richter's wife. Oh my God. What a story. Yeah. <laughs> it was a hoot. Yeah. That is. Oh man, I loved watching her. Yeah. Yeah. Tennis too. back in the day was a thing. I mean, it's still a thing, but it was really a thing when I was growing up, like, you know, Chris Everett and Oh my yeah. gosh, Martina. So when I played in West Palm Beach, uh, Chrissy Effort used to come to our game because she was married to the shark. Right. And Greg they Norman. lived near yep. West Palm Beach. And That's so right. uh, Greg Norman was a season ticket holder. So he and Chrissy would come and uh, sit like four rows up behind our bench. Wow. And uh, my my guy players used to always get in trouble if they were looking for the hotties in the audience. But <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't help watching the shark while I was on the bench. Right, I'm like, exactly. my goodness, he's sitting so close. <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely in the news also, speaking of people in the news. Oh, my God. Oh, is he? Yeah, with, with, with the golf stuff and everything. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so let's get to the rapid fire. Man, fascinating conversation. I'll leave the floor for you at the end for anything else that you want to talk about, whether it's what you're doing now or, 
you know, any other uh, words of wisdom that you want to share? We've been in almost 40 countries and, you know, it's just a, it's an opportunity for people to, especially this year, you know, to understand the importance of representation and having uh, women, especially with seats at the table, because we get so much more done when we have different points of view and different levels of representation. So fascinating stuff, man. Loved it. Um, so what was your what's your favorite rule that has been adjusted in the last decade? Favorite rule? Um well, right now I'd have to probably say being a parent. <laughs> right. Role in life. Um, when you see the importance, and it's actually been quite amazing to learn about yourself in sure. watching your child, especially yeah. she is a goaltender in field hockey. Um, so I'm like, oh, I think oh, wow. that might have been the aspect that was my draw to the position. Um, but I think what's amazing right now is the multi-level opportunities for girls and women to play. Like right. before, I could have never really understood why you wanted to, you know, nothing against it, but why you'd want to play club or something or even D3. It just wasn't, I was so focused and so driven. Uh, and now I get it. You know, I totally, you can be part of the sport, but also do drama club and math club mm -hmm. or, or whatever else you, you choose as far as um, diversity and interest. And I think it's, it's so great. Um, you know, you can really be what you want to be. Yeah. Um, hopefully a lot of the barriers have been broken down again I'm now able to see some of the things that I endured in my process of going through the all-male environments yeah um, wow and I could sort of justify them because I had a greater purpose but now I'm saying you know what I don't know that was that was pretty rough you know um, right so it's nice to see that maybe those barriers have shifted and the future our, our current Girls, women playing don't have to go through that in the next generation. The generation after that will not have to go through that as well. That that actually broke up a, a level playing. It really comes back down to respect, respect yeah. for each other. And I really like the whole idea is we're raising children to be good people and not raising them based on their gender. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like we're not in these little roles. Like, you know, sure. I was 5'11", 175 pounds by the time I was 13. I, I was not going to be a figure skater twirled around on somebody's um, <laughs> arm above their head. Yeah. Uh, but I was still uh, a female and I'm still a woman. So um, again, sort of opening that up and, and uh, bringing it for more inclusion throughout. Oh, absolutely. Well said. So when I was younger and even up till, I guess, maybe, I don't know, it's been five to 10 years, I guess. You couldn't pass the puck more than two lines. So if, for those of you that don't know, there's three lines in hockey, right? You have the, what is it? The, the red line and you have two blue lines, right? Yep. So, and you couldn't pass for more than two of the lines. So if you try to throw it from your end all the way to the other end, it was called icing. And so, but now they've eliminated that. So that's one of my favorite rule changes that I've ever seen. Oh, because... you said rule changes. I thought you said role changes. Like what? Role oh no, but I have. liked your answer. So okay, you know, sorry. It was phenomenal. So I'm glad you answered that because that was perfect. I'll just answer whatever I hear in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Selective hearing, ladies and gentlemen. But I, but I'm curious as if you like were um, in support of that or if you if there's other rules that you wish would change. You know, with regards to the yeah. Sports. So these rules have changed so many times over yeah. time. Yeah. And it also depends on what league you're in. Like college might be different than amateur hockey. Amateur is different than the NHL. They usually try the new rules out in the NHL and see of the acceptance. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind too, in the NHL and places when they're on TV, they have the viewership to keep in mind. Sure. 
and the speed of the game. So obviously looking fast and furious at all times is big. So the two line pass has shifted back and forth, I don't know, 15 times during my playing career. So when you have the ability to cross two lines, you can get that breakout, which makes more flow, which makes more scoring or great saves, which is better for viewership. So that keeps changing back and forth. And you know what? Again, being a goalie, my job was simple. Keep the puck out of the net. (laughs) Right. I was fine with it as long as my players were in tune to, you know, we sometimes had the situation if we were playing in the U.S., we'd have one rule cross over to Canada, a different rule play in Europe, and we had a different rule. Because the International Ice Hockey Federation doesn't always match what the U.S. Mm -hmm. OC or USA hockey rules are. So you pretty much flow with it. It's not a big deal. Um, The icing, so whether it's touch or um, automatic, is more of a safety issue more in men's hockey where there's checking so if you got two players rushing down if one guy's got to touch it for it to be icing right oh is his stick actually touching the puck and another guy can just destroy him at full velocity coming the whole sheet of the ice right so i think that got shifted more for the safety aspect of it interesting yeah but the other rule change that happened was how much the goaltender could play the puck so you could uh, before like martin brodeur Ronnie Hextall, of course, would come out and play it. I mean, Ronnie Hextall was the first goalie in the NHL to score a goal. So, you know, they've, they limited that, um, which I think has overall been pretty good. Like you can stop it behind the mm-hmm. um, net, but you have to have a piece into the crease to be able to control the play. And then mm-hmm. also, you know, you can't crash into the goaltender to lose a little right. bit of a protected area as well. Sure. So that's really helpful. Yeah, that's a dangerous situation, especially with the, the the goal, the way that it's constructed, if you get nailed into that. Well, the real thing is for the goaltenders, when you're down on your knees and somebody lands on your back, I mean, oh, so yeah, MCL, right. ACL, sure, sure. flexor, you know, so that's a big part of it. Because if you're already down in the butterfly and you're that's true, up yeah. down on your knees and you have impact on your back, yeah, something's going to give. <laughs> right, something's going to give, absolutely. So Larry Bird or Magic Johnson? Well, Larry Bird, of course. <laughs> well, you never know. I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, and my, yeah. my father's from Terre Haute, Indiana. So. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Really? My grandparents <laughs> used to go watch Larry in college. So. Oh, wow. Who knew that? I didn't find that on the internet. Man, that, that is. That might be a best kept secret. Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite <laughs> Red Sox of all time? Uh, yeah. I'm a Jason Veritek. Oh, wow. Um, well, you know, catchers, goalies. Sure. Yeah. Um, I always thought he was great. You, you're a numbers person too. My, right. I always wore one or 32 or, or in some cases, just thankful to have a Jersey. Um, <laughs> right. But you know, Jason was 33, but he was a great player again, laser yeah. focus, great totally. team guy. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, are you, Tom you want to ask me if I have a favorite Patriot? <laughs> yes. Uh, that's my next question. Do you, well, do you... if, if my glow starts to happen, yeah. So Tom <laughs> Brady, of course, again, we can talk about laser focus and, um just the ability uh in so many aspects physically and mentally it's just amazing so for all of you listening out there or watching i know you're ready for me to go in on tom but i'm not going to do it today i'm going <laughs> to well he had a I... tough announcement today here at least in the boston area that the divorce filings are complete so yes yeah that's well, unfortunate it was kind it... of a nice role model for family as well and of course he did a lot here in the community yeah. uh, with kids and things and uh so, you know, it's tough all the way around. Well, that's, I guess it's good to hear because when I go off on Tom, I really go off on him for different reasons. But like I said, I'm going to leave it alone today. 
Yeah. And if you want to hear about it, you can listen to the last podcast and the one before that and the one, <laughs> the one before that. Because I have a real problem with a, a part of his blind. You talk about blind spots earlier. There's a blind spot in the people around him. Uh, I don't know. So we'll we'll leave it alone. And so, we'll, yeah. so who's your favorite Bruin of all time? Uh, well, I mean, Bobby Orr is Bobby pretty Orr, amazing. Yeah. And another side thing you won't see on the internet. Um, back in the day, he came out and did a little clinic with us when we were a girls' aspect wow. girls' hockey program. And so he did some breakaways on me. So we were actually on the cover of the Boston Globe wow. together. But that's not the interesting tidbit. He came out for another big tournament and he had his two boys with him and they were young, like maybe six and four at the time. But I also worked in the coffee shop in the arena so I could wow. pay for my hockey. And so I was there and Bobby needed to go on the ice, maybe to do the award ceremony or something. Um, and then he got all you know, the crowd all came around him. So I got to babysit Bobby Orr's kids at Assabet Valley Arena. <laughs> oh my God, wow. <laughs> so, That's awesome. They were very cool. And they did not play hockey. And, you know, mm. back then again, I didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. But it is a lot of pressure to follow somebody in that path. So Right, yeah. That, that's a good point. Yeah, Bobby's another one, like in the community here in Boston, like he's a player agent, uh, but he's of the highest level of respectability and again yeah. has a wonderful image around um i have two prosthetic hips and uh so yeah he got his prosthetic in the same hospital i did so it's oh wow good too. another factoid ladies and gentlemen you yeah, will never yeah, know yeah. <laughs> striker baby striker yeah that's right Correct. absolutely wait japanese or chinese food as long as it's good and like of the mm. higher quality not of the grab and go kind uh, i'm good with all all asian food actually all ethnic food all the way across the board and my husband is as well. So it's oh, really wow. fun when we travel. Yeah. And uh, my daughter, since the age of, of three on her third birthday, we said, what would you like for your special birthday dinner? And she said lobster and steamers. So uh, wow. yeah, we're, we're pretty good uh, traveling, eating family. Yeah. And we wow. fish a lot now. So we Ooh. fish in Alaska, Mexico, fish around. We fish here in Boston. And so we have a lot of um, salmon, a lot of tuna, wow. halibut. Yeah. Wow, that's man, I'm starving right now. I haven't eaten yet. I do intermittent <laughs> fasting, so it's noon. I'm like, oh, like we, right. I do too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's amazing, man. And I love seafood too. God, <laughs> yeah, talk about all this food right now. God. <laughs> right now, I'm doing the everything within six to eight hours. Um, oh. So, I'm not going for the longer times. I had a little bit of a uh, unexpected surgery this summer. So, oh. I'm just trying to keep things on a more even keel. But I love intermittent fasting. That's yeah. a great reset. But you said two things before. You said you don't like the cold and you don't like the water. <laughs> so my my new my new club is the cold plunge team. Wow. So I'm <laughs> oh sure you've heard of it. It yes. uh, was was made popular by Wim Hof. Um and you know, oh tons God. of benefits. And so um here in my area, we go in the ocean um twice a week um all year oh round of course i will point out that i did join with the clothes on i might add <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's amazing though you know there's lots of studies and lots of things on the cold yeah. plunge but i've really found uh, from my orthopedic injuries like the reduction of swelling has been absolutely incredible wow but the resets of the nervous system um clinical proving to reduce um anxiety and depression wow uh, through the reset of the vagus nerve so here's another thing and so it's sort of in the same mental discipline category as intermittent fasting i was thinking about it the other day and huh. you know sometimes 
I prefer not to eat dinner. Um, mm-hmm. I have my, my last meal at three or four, mm-hmm. not always, but when I'm in the zone. Yeah. So, you know, sometime comes dinner time and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> and just, you just need that little bit of grit for like 20 minutes, right. To get through it exactly. and then you're fine again. And I'm like, yeah, that's the same thing. You know, mm. this morning it was uh, 39 degrees out and uh, I don't even know what the water temperature was. So oh my to God. have the full um, benefit Ooh. down to the cellular level, the dip time should be at least two minutes. Wow. Um, but I will say once you're in, there's the most beautiful feeling. And oh. a couple of times I've gone in and even rode the waves and swam for a bit. It is really quite remarkable, but you just feel past that initial, you know, sparkly, uh, you know, yeah. all your sensory in your body. is just lit up. And I asked my physical therapist and I'm like, is it just <laughs> wow. me that I come from a cold dip and I feel like I just ran the marathon. I'm so hungry. And she said, yeah, you just like put your metabolism on like high alert um so that's good for the same purposes of the intermittent fasting wow is just to, to change your body chemistry a whole new definition of an ice bath ladies <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. yeah oh man so, yeah, not... always trying something new you know to feel good and uh, move well and uh, and I really enjoy it. The people because there's our groups about 60 people we're called the wolf pack wow. and um you know you're with a whole bunch of healthy-minded people right yeah yeah, so it's really quite amazing. Man, that energy must be incredible just to be around that collective group of like-minded people that see things in a similar way. Wow. Yeah. And actually, one of the girls, her name's Beanie, came up to me. She's like, are you Kelly Dyer? And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, wow. she's like, well, I was an ice hockey goalie and I played at Bates. And uh, she goes, wow. I was at um, a prep school in Concord. And you came out and gave a talk to our school when wow. you were still in the area. She goes, and I still remember exactly what you said on that day. So that was kind of cool. And here we Man. are together standing wow. in the ocean in, uh, <laughs> in October. So it's really fun. But uh, everything from yoga teachers to, wow. you know, astrophysicists, there's, it's just really great. And a lot of cute dogs, too, which really makes it fun. Of course. And they don't mind the cold. Yeah. Were you a trash talker? Trash talker. Um, <laughs> When necessary. (laughs) Man, that's hilarious. Uh, So wait. I was pretty focused though. I didn't let it get, I never had it like to a point that it would distract me. Right. Yeah, no, of course. Do you have favorite music? Well, you know, I spent a good amount of time in Florida, which oddly enough uh, was country music. Um, But my goalie partner there, Toddy Boy, soon was into Frank Sinatra. So that was a different mix for the locker room, but he was amazing. (laughs) So whatever he wanted to play was fine. Um, but yeah, country. And then, you know, from Florida, I went to uh, Richmond, Virginia, and then from Richmond to Louisville, Kentucky. So in there, I picked up a, a bit of a passion for country, but country, soft rock, you know, the, yeah. the yacht rock type thing, the bridge, these types of things. So. That's cool. Okay, last couple of questions. So um, where do you see yourself in five years? Still with this company? Well, I really, I think the anniversary of Title IX really ignited my passion to get back into girls women's sports um not even just sports but just preparation for life but then mm-hmm. you know looking back on the comment I said we just need to teach kids treat kids as kids and not by gender but even just young people mm-hmm. but you know maybe a little more fit and a little more um yes please desire for attention in the in the girls women's world um, so I have this calling that keeps coming up to me, wow. um, but I don't know exactly what that means yet. 
Well, so I'm I just have kind a... of being open to opportunities, like speaking with you. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of universities asked if I could, could talk, you know, with them, uh, things. And so really, I'm just being open to what's out there in the world. Um, you know, I ended up with surgically clean air. I was in hockey equipment. We created the line of women's hockey protective equipment mm. and sticks. Um, that was with there. Louisville Slugger and Easton. Yeah, that was Louisville Slugger. So it was okay. TPS hockey. Mm -hmm. And then um, they got bought up and moved away. So then I went to Easton hockey. Okay. And then I was the, um, we already had all the product in place by then. Mm -hmm. And so I was the girls women's manager for the pro teams and the Olympic team. So that was awesome. Like we wow. signed athletes like Julie Chu, oh. um, um, Hillary Knight and uh, Alana Bolhowski. We had like eight of the team members at the time. And the beautiful wow. thing that I loved with this transition into the hockey equipment world was not only like honoring women's hockey with a specific product or products, but was the, the, the like one of the greatest things I've done it was being the first to sign a female hockey player to an endorsement contract. Wow. I, even now I get goosebumps. Oh. That was the, the greatest thing is again, like you, you're honoring the players with equipment for everyone. Um, but then having an iconic, we call them athlete ambassadors mm. um, that not only had input to our product design and were truly part of, of the product, but then to give them an endorsement contract, it, it was really a great thrill. And it was monumental because at the time Nike owned Bauer and Nike's like, oh, they have the greatest woman hockey player in the world being Cami Granado. We're not going to stand for that. And <laughs> it beyond quadrupled the offer of what we had to her. And she, wow. she was in tears when she told me she had to go and I'm, I'm in tears. I'm so happy for you. Oh. Like, I, this is what I, I wanted to happen. Like, wow. I don't want to lose you, you know, but this is what yeah. I wanted to happen is to have companies with global positioning and then global type dollars to be able to enter our world of women's ice hockey and honor the athletes. I mean, can you imagine playing now with the NIL deals? I mean, so many women are making money now as they should. Oh, thank goodness. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. And that's name, image, and likeness for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, but you know, college athletes can now get paid for their name, image, and likeness. And it's uh, long overdue. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the, the greatest athletes on the women's ice hockey side is Hillary Knight. Um, like she's doing a great job with her presence. And again, you know, showing her real personality and the love of outdoors and dogs and helping kids and, you know, just all of that. And it's, you know, I knew Hillary quite well back in the day and it's, it's authentic, you know? Sure. It's, it's who she yeah. Is. Well, that, and that's what people want to see now is they don't want to just see the athlete. They want to just see, you know, the whole person. Yeah. They want yeah, to that's see awesome. their dog and their jeans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Why did that get a million views? <laughs> yeah. Like what? Okay, yeah. last question. So five people at your dinner table, past or present, dead or alive, that you've never met before. Who's at your dinner table? Oh my gosh, that is really a tricky one. I know everybody always says I should ask that in the beginning and then ponder it throughout the show. So they, <laughs> that's no fun. <laughs> Well, I've also met quite a few people. I was thinking both politicians and even the Russian Olympics uh, players, the men's back in the day, wow. like Tretiak and um, we could have talked about the miracle. I have met Ice. Jim Craig. Oh wow! Uh, 
Jim Craig, one of the favorite speeches that he had when he's being inducted into the International Ice Hockey Hall of Fame and, you know, mm -hmm. black tie, very nice event and somebody raised their hand and had a question. He's like, yes, they're like, what was your greatest moment in sports? And everybody figured he'd say the 1980 Olympics. Right. And he goes, the birth of my son. Oh, the place went wow. quiet and then of course every woman in the room was like he's so handsome <laughs> so but i've already met jim um it could be any walk of life could be anyone in history or any sport or any actor or singer or you know it could be anybody i know i did get to meet um hillary clinton and wow. uh, bill clinton too i got to present the um team usa jersey to the white house after the 98 olympics I was oh, with the Women's Sports Foundation at the time, and they were doing uh, representation of women in government. And wow. uh, so it all just came together. And so USA Hockey made up a jersey with Clinton on the back, and I got to present it. And um, uh, Hillary Clinton was very smooth. She's like, thank you so much. Chelsea's going to really enjoy this. It was like <laughs> such a perfect segue. I'm like, that oh, was my God. beautiful. Well, she got a raw deal. That's for damn sure. Oh, gosh. It's not easy. And that's another example of... Uh fuck extra critical eye upon breaking new people in roles um that yeah. isn't people aren't accustomed to it's not easy um Absolutely. so five people i have at my dinner table yeah we're back to that question are we gosh can i avoid <laughs> this um okay just give me know, one female are... one female one male then we'll, we'll give it we'll make it two <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't overly into politics until I married my husband and he's very into politics. So I started to pay more attention. Um, and we could have a whole podcast One of his on favorite that. presidents was Ronald <laughs> Reagan, but I, I don't want to just scoop off of Chris's ideas. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, again, he transformed himself, right? From actor to president is pretty he remarkable. Did. It was remarkable. Yes. Oh yeah. Her. So on, on the male side, if I have, I would, I would have liked to been able to have meaningful conversations with her Brooks again, like his laser focus and what he was doing. Mm -hmm. um, he was with USA hockey during my time there um, on the executive committee, but I never had a time to overlap. And wow. actually, um, his passing was rather abrupt um, coming home from a USA hockey hall of fame uh, golf outing. Wow. Um, and I was supposed to be at that outing, but I had a conflict and couldn't have gone. So that's why I kind of come up with her. Sure. Well, she only has one person at her dinner table, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, sometimes it makes for the best conversations. Yes. Too. Um, and the other thing I'm finding these days, and it could be a post COVID thing, but I like smaller gatherings. Like I used to love like the big gatherings and have the big ballrooms. And now I'm much more content with, we'll go with your number with five type people. Yeah. Um, and I know you said that I haven't met, I guess, but somebody that I would like to pick their brain now as a retired athlete and mm -hmm. the later stages and kind of my view of like, what would be a meaningful path for me to get back into girls, women's sports, mm -hmm. and not even that, but even on the business side of helping girls, women's sports, like sort of like how my passion was when I created the line of women's hockey equipment, because this is sort of in my thinking right now. Mm -hmm. And even though we have met, but it would be Billie Jean King. Right. Um, and we were just together. She came and did a um, Title IX celebration at um, Gillette Place. So Robert Kraft hosted the event. Sure. Unfortunately, Billie Jean had COVID and just was videoed in. But sure. as far as like meaningful conversations, it would be great to talk with her and mm -hmm. you know follow her road. I um, not too long ago just read her book All In. 
right. and was really taken by that. Um, so yeah, that would be my second pick. I got to put that on my list for Audible. Uh, oh, you should. It's really quite remarkable when you talk about the struggles. It, it's unbelievable. And I think for me, reading what she went through brought it forward in my mind of some of the things I went through that I think I packed away so tightly. Sure. I wasn't even fully aware of them. Wow. Um, and how she brought in the sisterhood. And I guess that's kind of what I realize now. Um, the industry I'm in um, is predominantly all male. Sure. And you miss that sisterhood or that, you know, mm -hmm. another way to look at it is a tribe. And it could be male, female. Right. You have a tribe of your people. You know, when you grow up with team sports, like, you know, I remember coming home from world championships, you were together for like a month or two. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm not sure what to eat and what I'm supposed to eat. And who am I eating this with? You know, it was right. such a weird feeling. And, yeah. Feel and naked. I miss that now um, significantly. So. Well, whatever, whatever um, direction you go in with regards to girls and women in sport, they'll be definitely uh, honored and lucky to have you. I, you know, I think that's something that uh, you should pursue, even if you're doing your day job, because I think right. yeah. it would definitely probably fulfill you and, you know, to give back you know, later in our lives, that's what we want to do, especially to right. be an example to our kids. Yeah. And really just to that. be of service. To be of service. Exactly. Yep. Servitude. Oh man. Fascinating conversation. Can't thank you enough for, for joining us today. And, um, you know, if there's anything I can do, you know, definitely let me know. And, well, thank uh, you for all that you do in bringing forward these topics in uh, so many different ways. I didn't hear the Tom Brady part, but I will go back and listen, but, <laughs> you know, um, your your focus and attention and respect uh, for women in sports is uh, is heard. Uh, so thank you. And that's another thing that I've really um, have explored is I, I met an organization here out of Boston and it's called Women X. Oh yes, we're gonna have somebody from Women X on the show too. Yeah, she's she's just a gifted individual. We had so many similarities in our lives, and we were actually at Northeastern at a similar time, but we wow. didn't um, know each other. And uh, she created a artwork piece through her recognition of women in sports of me with like my elbow coming through and breaking the glass ceiling or the right. ice ceiling, if you sure. will. And it was just a magnificent piece. And I uh, was one of my teammates from Team USA sent it to me said, have you seen this? And I said, no. I said, well, who'd you get it from? And they sent me Mary's contact. And I just wrote wow. a thank you. Mary, yeah. And boy, we've been together um, on a whole bunch of different gatherings and projects and she has taught me something so important. And you you said it as well, is, is to have your voice. And I'm like, I have my voice. You wouldn't yes, believe how many do. things I disrupted. But now having <laughs> right. a new lens on it from the woman mm -hmm. X perspective, I didn't fully have my voice, you know. And that's another huge change that we can see now that people have had these experiences then to, you know, again, not only have a seat at the table, but to have a strong voice at the table. Yeah, and have those voices amplified. And there, and there, and there are strength in numbers, like you said, you know, when you have this collective, uh, you know, togetherness, this huddle, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, of strong women, and then you combine that with social media, and you know, a lot of layers, uh, things are getting done. And, and we're seeing a, uh, another shift, if you yeah. will, we just got to companies keep it are taking notice as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, again, you know, the companies that I was with giving endorsements to female athletes was great in that small little piece. But now when we're seeing corporate sponsors at a larger level, then it just enables those organizations to do more. Absolutely. 
Man, great stuff. Well, like I said, uh, anything I can do to to be a connector of a connector or just continue to, to to be an ally and a bridge, you know, that's what that's what I want to do. And I've said this many times, but I don't make anything right now, anyways. For the first three years of this show, I just do it because I like to create a safe space, and uh, you know, like we said earlier, amplify the voices and the message. And uh, it's just phenomenal to have conversations with people like you, like you said, you know, people that broke down those barriers and trailblazers and you know the glass ceilings and uh you know busting the ice and getting the zamboni out there and <laughs> you know wait have you ever ridden a zamboni we'll finish with this question i should ask you yes, zamboni i love it's it. not that exciting though i'll have you know <laughs> yeah Just but, a volkswagen but, engine <laughs> you know you right but usually at, uh, dur during in between periods you'd go and get food i couldn't leave i had to watch how they would go each row and how clean the ice looked, man. It was just fascinating. My OCD yeah. coming out, but man, it was. A well, as a hockey player, not only myself, but a lot of us is like nothing more beautiful than a clean sheet of ice, you know, oh. stepping out either first at a practice or first at a game. And I was lucky uh, growing up playing for Acibit is our coach owned the rink. And so oh, if man. I wanted to just go skate um, any time of day, I had a key to the rink and uh, wow just go uh and uh, i love that just you know just a clean sheet of ice right and she had a key to that zamboni too ladies and gentlemen <laughs> all right on that note man great job uh much love and respect and uh we'll you stay in well. touch and we'll talk to you soon thanks so much okay great, great thanks job. for all you do all right, all right. appreciate Bye -bye. it kelly hayes ladies and gentlemen phenomenal conversation much love everybody thanks for joining us for this title nine 50th anniversary celebration series until next time i'm hootie hoot for kelly hayes much love. If you're ready for some more phenomenal content, here are today's outtakes, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy. Hey there. Hey, what's up, Kelly? I like your voice live. It's very nice. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> you got to hit the start video button in the lower left if you want the video to pop on. Huh, I do not see it. It says it already is recording. It's recording, but I don't see the video. Oh, I see. Oh, boom. Boom. Oh, it's too bright. I need it a little darker in here. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not bright on my end. Oh, good. Do you have headphones? I do. Cause it sounds like you're in uh, a tunnel in an echo chamber. Yeah. Like yeah, in a tunnel. Hold on. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Probably the, uh, all, the other part is the window behind you. That's creating a silhouette too. Mm -hmm. I, it doesn't bother me none, but just so you know, for future mm -hmm. reference. Yeah, I usually close it. It didn't seem that sunny today. Yeah, it just it just creates a silhouette. What about my decorations? Yeah, well, it's hard to see because it's uh, what is it? A bobblehead? <laughs> it's a it's a gnome. Oh, it's a gnome! Wow. It's in the same category as a bobblehead, though, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it is. I agree. I had an interesting conversation with Dan Hughes about bobbleheads. It was hilarious. Yeah. Well, I have a daughter that is 14, so these things oh, wow. are still very, very important. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, my daughter's 12. I don't know if she oh, likes bobbleheads. Yeah, she's uh, gymnastics, softball, basketball, so she's she's having a lot of fun with that for sure. She's That's very wonderful. outgoing. Yeah. Mine's a little shy, actually, and, and she wasn't super competitive, and she just got a little more competitive now that she's playing middle school sports. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So she's in eighth grade? Yes. Middle school is, man, <laughs> middle school is brutal for me. I don't remember much. Well, you were probably busy. Did this work?
Oh, that sounds better. Yeah. I'm not hearing you through it. Oh, you're not? Wait, did you go to uh, the audio, which is next to the video down there, and switch the where it says mute? If you click the arrow, it should give you the option to. Um, what are you, a technical guy? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I've done a lot of podcasts. <laughs> Same system as microphone. Try that. Did you try external mic or external headphones? There should be an option for external headphones. And you click the drop down arrow from the mute button. Yeah, I'm in that. So I guess every computer is different, but I have same as system, external headphones, iMac speakers. I guess you just try each one and see which one works. <laughs> All right, so you're hearing me through the mic? I still hear you echoey. Oh. Did you choose a different option? How about now? Nope, same. You look good, though. I like, I like the look, even if the sound is the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, these outtakes are going to be phenomenal, I got to tell you. Oh, that's right. We're already recording. <laughs> the outtakes are great. We're having some technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, I was so wired into this for such a long time, of course. Yeah, of course you were with the last two years. Yeah, it was a little bit much. Yeah, it was. We've all become, we should have all got stock in Zoom. Yeah, that and Peloton and um, Oh, Netflix. my God. Yeah, Peloton went into the, into the crapper, but uh, the other two are doing pretty well, I think. <laughs> Peloton. Well, Netflix is in trouble. I know. It's weird. Well, people want short videos, and, yeah. YouTube, and YouTube's free. Yes. So it's really hard to compete with something that's free. What do your options say on the mute? Well, I'm into audio via now the computer, and it's oh, you're on the test mic input. Mm -hmm. um and when i drop down the menu there it says microphone array relic is that what this brand is maybe no it says hewlett packard oh hp in the house it's not it's not bad it's, it's not Did bad it's just oh wait a minute there we go hp came up mm. how about now keep talking can you hear me I yeah hope. it's still a little echoey but it just may be the acoustics okay is, it, is there a light that goes in no, i don't see a light that went on but yeah, it's good. I mean, it's up to you what you prefer to how it feels to you with the headphones on. But I like yeah, the I look. Don't care. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> now I got sunlight everywhere. She's repping How's the Northeastern shirt, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you that are listening and not watching, she's repping the Northeastern shirt today. <laughs> I love my school. Joanne McCauley has ties to Northeastern. I'm trying to remember what it was. She uh, coached at Duke. Okay. I think her kid went there. Well, I tell you, the university is doing great things. And, you know, initially they were known for their co-op program. Really? Is, uh, their founding grassroots. So it's wow. a five-year university and you work and go to school in alternating um, six-month blocks. Um, so it was fabulous for me. Um, got to not only learn what you like to do, but most importantly, learn what you did not like to do. And you got paid doing it. So, I mean, I graduated with uh, money in the bank and uh, no bills due. So that's a nice way to start off. Yeah, it is. That's fascinating. All right, let me do a quick intro and then we'll we'll chop it up. We'll rock and roll. Okay. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. Boy, that was phenomenal. Great job and much love to everyone. Remember, Black Lives Matter. Stop the bullying. Stop the Asian hate. Contact your local and state politicians for any inequalities for any individual or any group that's being marginalized. Also, everyone, we want to raise awareness for those individuals that are currently imprisoned for 
nonviolent offenses, in particular those with long-term sentences that are disproportionate in particular to those people in the black and brown community. And I want to send a shout out to 40tons.co. 40 Tons is a socially conscious cannabis brand. And they're a social enterprise using the regulated cannabis industry to fight injustice, in particular for cannabis prisoners. So check them out again at 40, the number four, the number zero, tons, plural, 40tons.co, because what they're doing in the cannabis space and being a socially conscious company is truly incredible. And uh, they have my full support. And also wanted to remind all of you, if you're having a tough time, you can always call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And that number is 988. That's it. All you got to do is dial 988 from any phone. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, Breaking Tea and Moolah Kicks, which you can see right here up on the screen. You can search them online at BreakingTea.com and moolahkicks.com and if you'd like to support us at the Sports Deli we'd love to have you either make a one-time donation or feel free to make a donation monthly either 99 cents a month $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month if you have uh, questions about that send me an email again to thesportsdeli at gmail.com and I will send you the link on how you can do that Uh, you can also find it at the bottom of every podcast on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts. There's a link at the bottom to support the show. Please check out our website at thesportsdailypodcast.com. And remember, gents and ladies, please remember to do your monthly self-breast examinations. And remember, guys, this afflicts about 1,500 men annually, with about a third of those resulting in death. So we want to make sure that we do our monthly self-breast examinations, both men and women. And guys, remember to do your self-testicular examinations every month as well. Until next time, remember it takes a village. For Dr. J and Coach K, I'm Hootie Hoot. This has been a production of Hootie Hoot Productions. Thank you for joining us in the Sports Deli, where everyone deserves a seat at the table. Remember it takes a village. Much love, everybody. Peace.